0: G'day legends, legendaries, welcome to another episode of Generation Get To It, a sugar hit of positivity and health for you to get the most out of yourself to inspire this generation and the next. Make sure you like and subscribe so you get the latest episodes and to share the words so we can get more people out there changing their lives for the better. So for today's episode, we've got Emily Chancellor on. I know Emily from a couple of years ago when we were both based out of Sydney Uni, when we were doing, both doing sport. Um, she's still there now, doing a lot better than I ever did, but she's also just... So much more than that, so much more than just an athlete, but a really, really great person too. Her, as you'll find out, her enthusiasm and her passion just exceeds so much, um, into well, bleeds so much into her life, and it's a really, really inspiring conversation to have. So please jump into the episode, listen up real good, and learn a couple of things which are going to help you at no matter what part of your life you are, but most importantly, going to help inspire the next generation to be better than the one before. G'day everyone, welcome to Generation Get To It. So today I've got another special guest, someone who I know personally over the years, but as someone who is really doing amazing things in the world in terms of rugby union, but also just being an elite athlete in general um, in the women's space, which is something these days, which is actually going bananas. And I'd love to get many of her opinions on how the women's game has changed over the years from the start of her career to the end. But today we've got Emily Chancellor, she is a rugby union player that plays for Australia, for the Wallaroos. She uh, made her debut for the Wallaroos in 2018 and, believe it or not, actually became Wallaroos Player of the Year that same year, which is in like absolutely crazy if anyone's ever made a debut at that kind of level. She's previously played for the New South Wales Waratahs and in the most recent year has played for the Harlequins over in London. She's also got a degree in early childhood education and teaching, and a Master's in Business Management. Welcome to the podcast, Emily.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: It's a pleasure. Like I said, it's so good to have you back on here because um, I've seen we, well, we trained together a little bit and also did a bit of uh, stuff through Sydney Uni back in the day, yeah. around the Elite Athlete Program. But during that time, you were actually um, in the the netball program from when I first saw you. Yes.
1: Um,
0: and then now you're a rugby player.
1: wild transition. I think I've always, um, I always knew that sport was going to be a big part of my life and growing up rugby firstly wasn't an option or didn't sort of feature in my world as something that women could do. So didn't as a kid see women like other girls running around playing rugby, always watch the game and just genuinely thought that it was a sport that I was supposed to watch, not that I had access to play. Um, I grew up playing netball as my team sport and I was a a competitive swimmer. And so I think my love for netball came because I knew that I had a passion for team sport. And when you know something and that's all you kind of know, that was what I thought I was supposed to do. Um, And being a competitive person, I think I thought, you know, you always strive to be the best that you can be in whatever you do. And so netball was what I was doing, so I was going to be bloody great at it. Um, but I guess I got to university was second year in my degree, I think. And um, the road to Rio, pathway to gold, come try Aussie set the rugby sevens. You could go to the Olympics and be an Australian player. Came to it came in an email actually that was generically sent to all women at Sydney University, and I think it was done through a lot of uh, universities at the same time. And I was like, oh, girls can play rugby. That'd be kind of cool just to learn and to see if I can. Like, love watching the game. Let's see if you can, you know, make a tackle, be tackled. That'd be kind of fun. Started playing and realised how much fun a physical contact sport can be um, and super satisfying in the sort of the output you give Um, physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, So I tried to dabble in both netball and rugby for a little while and very quickly realised that it turned my netball game far from a semi-contact sport into a much more contact sport than was meant to be played um, on the netball court. So transitioned pretty quickly into purely rugby sevens and then realised once again that rugby sevens wasn't actually the game for me. You need to be fitter faster and more technical than I definitely was then and you know I'm not I know my skill set isn't there now but it opened my eyes to the love of the game of rugby and found the game of 15s and that's that's been it since
0: yeah wow that's crazy it's amazing how far yeah you've come just through it just seems like you've just gone from one opportunity to another so like it wasn't probably like I said probably wasn't something that um was like a big came across and just like gave you a big right hook but something you just kind of like jabbed you a little bit and you thought maybe I'll try that and then you just kind of gone from step to step to the person or the player that you are now which is amazing to see um and because I remember so when I first did my bit of work experience when I was doing strength conditioning yeah I was actually doing volunteer work for that women's rugby seven squad yeah and I was going up to all the players being like oh you know what's your name and like you know what where have you come from? And they're like, oh, like, yeah. uh, my name's Chloe and I'm a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go see this other girl, and she's like, oh, my name's Joanna and I'm yeah. a rugby league player. But yeah. there's, it was like no rugby players whatsoever. Yeah. It yeah. was just like people from all different, different sports. So I was, it was amazing to see how they all came together. So what do you think kept pushing you to actually continue the 15s game more than anything and not maybe like go back to netball or, you know, just keep driving forward?
1: Um. I think genuinely I had a passion for the game my whole life. And so to be able to challenge myself to play a game that I had loved watching so much was a big driver. Um, I think as a young female growing up, you don't. um, I didn't. I reflect now and realize that I didn't have a huge number of female role models or people that I aspired to be. If I looked at athletes that inspired me when I was younger, yeah, there were a lot of netballers um, because that was the sport that I was in and naturally that's a female-dominated game. So they were women um, role models there. But I loved and I was inspired by the Lottie Takiris, the Drew Mitchells, the Chris Whittakers, um, I want to say Michael Hooper but he probably wasn't quite in the right realm of my youthful um, role models but like they were all my role models so then when i realized that i could play a game that those people also played that kind of drove drove something for me um i think um the other thing that drove me is that i could see an opportunity in a game um which probably comes from it being a smaller game at the time and an easier opportunity to jump through some pathways than potentially the overpopulated netball landscape which made it really hard to to qualify into a national team or a state team um so i suppose the lucky side of it being a smaller sport when i when i joined made it easier to have a vision of where i wanted to go and to be able to you know like challenge myself to get to those next benchmarks I suppose Um, but yeah so I think it was just purely just a love of the game and I've always been someone as I said that loves to challenge myself and I don't I don't like coming second and I don't like uh, <laughs> I don't like not being good at something. So if it's something that I really want to try and be good at, whatever it is, I like to think that I put a lot of effort into to being one of the best that I can being the best that I can be. And that doesn't always mean being the best at something, but knowing that I've tried so that I've put in the effort to say I've have given it a red hot crack and sometimes you're not good enough, but sometimes you are.
0: Have you found many obstacles along the way as you've come across where you've gone, oh, that was actually quite a big setback? And then you've, how have you kind of approached that along the way when you have had maybe a setback or something that you just didn't feel, you felt could have gone a lot better? How have you approached that throughout your career?
1: Yeah, I think there are there are a few obvious sort of obstacles that come up um, in sport, in contact sport particularly, and that's injuries. Injuries are always a big Um, hurdle or roadblock that you you can come across Um, but I think like no one wants to be injured but injuries are part of sport so sometimes it's a great opportunity to pull yourself out of it for a little bit reflect on why you do something because rehab can be one of the darkest places you you put yourself in um, as an athlete 'cause you spend more time by yourself, particularly in a team sport, you spend more time by yourself focusing on on getting back to something that if you don't have that opportunity to question yourself and go, why? Why am I doing this? Um you don't you, you don't really know what you're like you do you lose your path a little bit. So if you have an injury, it's almost that opportunity to go, yeah. I want it or I don't want it. And if I want it, I'm going to come back bigger and better. And you take those opportunities really well well I do. Um, not that I like being injured. And then I think other other things, non-selection can sometimes be a really big slap in the face and it's a an obstacle that, that hurts because it does make you question yourself. It makes you question if you're good enough. Um, balancing work and rugby. Is well, I was going to
0: ask because... The wins game hasn't been that professional compared to the men's so or like so yes. the semi-professional, you're working full-time job or maybe yes. there's like a handful of professional players you might play with. But I, f- yeah. I find that would be, yeah, one of the biggest challenges for you, isn't it? Like it's almost like you're trying to balance a bit of social side of it. You're trying to get yeah. full-time work and earn enough yeah. money and then you try and play the sport that yeah. you love. And that takes it, that itself is almost a full-time job the amount of hours yeah. that you commit. Yeah. Like spending time doing prehab, rehab. During training lifting weights like it's absurd so how have you found that managing that as a as an athlete
1: yeah it's been it's a challenge but I think it's one of those things that I've never played rugby because of the money I've never like it wasn't an option when I started that there were full-time athletes so I chose to play a game because I love it and I think that's something that's that sometimes gets lost when you add money too much to the mix is that you do it and it's a job and then do you lose the passion for it and i think the beauty of where we're at and obviously it's not somewhere i want to see the game stay but it's some it's a reality and sometimes you just have to you have to make the best of a bad situation and and the beauty is i shouldn't have as much trouble as some of the professional athletes in this world when my time comes to retire because i know what work is um, I'm used to the nine-to-five grind. Um, I have a career in terms of like using my brain and longevity in my in my purpose there, which a lot of professional athletes struggle with when they come out of their full-time sport, um, working out what they want to do. I kind of know, I mean, I don't know what I want to do. I don't think anyone really knows what they want to do, but I know that I'm capable of working in a, in an office and in that sort of landscape. So I think for me, that's a massive positive, even though it is also a drawback because I am exhausted all of the time because I'm trying to balance almost two full-time careers for the pay of one and a bit. Um, but that's, yeah. that is that is that is an obstacle, but it's also I like to see it as, as also an opportunity because I am using my brain and my body.
0: You have such a positive way of, of putting a spin on something like have you always had this ability to be able to put such a positive spin on a situation which is so difficult because you find obviously a lot of people will instantly lead to like a negative like whether it's negative on themselves or the situation like they can either externalize and say this is the hand that's given to me and therefore it sucks or I'm not that kind of person and I won't be able to do it but it just seems like whatever obstacle has gotten in your way, have gone, you know what, I'm going to find a way around that or I'm going to put a positive spin on that and find that it's actually going to be a particular challenge for me. Have you always done that or is it something you've developed?
1: Um, I think I've always been a pretty positive and happy person. I think I have a good um, energetic outlook on life. And I found that if I let bad things sit negatively, that it pulls you down and you end up spending more emotional energy being angry about something than you do like that. And that actually impacts everything more than if you're able to turn around and go, okay, it's it's shit. This sucks, but I'm not going to be able to change it. So I'm going to do everything in my power to change it positively and control my controllables. So I think, you know like yeah there there are days where where it's dark and and I'm not all positive definitely but i think as a as a general outlook on life if you if you take the negatives the world gets pretty dark and and disappointing like particularly as a female athlete like i could sit and complain but firstly who listens to complainers not many people and secondly i don't want to live my life feeling sorry for myself i want to live my life and get the most out of any opportunity that I can that I can get. So take the positives and run with it, because you're much more likely to remember those fun, exciting moments than you are to sit and feel sorry for yourself.
0: I love that. I'm so inspired. <laughs> <laughs> I just that. I want to save that and use it as a song. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the mantra. <laughs>
0: the mantra every day. Wake up, listen to Emily talk about positivity. <laughs> I'll absolutely get around that. Um no, because I I had I coach a couple of teenagers at the moment and they're about 13, 14, but they're like on the brink of making well they're making state teams and yeah. playing um in the junior development for like rugby league and for those yeah. um the dolphins and stuff like that. But it's just one thing I always try to bring to them is the fact that you can always counteract something with a positive. And yeah. like, you just done it so well, like every single thing you said before when you're like, oh, and then there's injuries in that. but I can actually learn a lot more about myself and what I do. Uh, you know, I work pretty hard because like, there's not enough money in the women's game. But in turn, like when I finish, I know exactly what work yeah. is. And I can always like, there's just so many positives to everything I said. So I don't know if anyone listening out there has ever kind of put themselves down a lot, but I just find like, this is like a perfect example of, the ability to stay positive in situations which can be incredibly challenging um, and that's really what I wanted to kind of bring you on because I know you've always been this happy and very enthusiastic about everything person yeah <laughs> and I think it's just an inspiration for everyone thank so you so do you have? yeah well I was going to say because now that you're in the game and rugby union's been out there for a couple of years do you do you have like you know your own do you see role models developing throughout a lot of players you have do you see yourself as a role model how do you see all that playing out
1: well I think definitely there's there's a massive opportunity for the women at the moment to be role models like the landscape of the women's game is changing and there are junior women's teams running around clubs on Saturdays and Sundays in the minis there are young girls playing under 18s and, um, and the opportunity of genuine school pathways are existing. Um, and, you know, the quote I like to throw around is you can't be what you can't see and if I get to have an impact or portray something that that means that someone, some young girl or boy gets to look at a rugby player and go, I want to be like M Chance or I want to be a Wallaroo because, I can see them, then that's, like, that's massive. So I wouldn't, you know, you know, no one ever walks around going, I want to be a role model. I am a role model. But in the same breath, knowing what we're doing in this game, you'd be silly not to think that you have a potential to have an impact on someone. So, you know, you want to hold yourself... To the best of your ability, but I think that also means being who you are. It doesn't mean changing who you are. It just means being conscious that you potentially have a voice that might be heard by someone that's looking up to you.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, I, if there's anything that's super relevant to it now, it would definitely be the Women's World Cup that's happening yeah. for the um the football, the soccer. Yeah. Because I've just seen so many people where New Jerseys of names that players probably people never even heard about. You know, yeah. Two, two months ago, yeah, and now you have about 13 to 15 new role models that are on the scene. Yeah, it's huge. So I think that's absolutely amazing. So I, I definitely agree with you. It's hard to see someone be like, I am the role model, but, yeah, you'd be silly not to think that the actions that you do in the limelight are the ones which are going to be recognised yeah. for good and for bad because the thing I really like, well, it's one thing I've really taken away recently from the World Cup at the moment is women's role models are so positive. You see every every weekend there's an AFL or NRL boy who's been caught in the news for doing something drunk in a pub and has been silly yeah. or has said some rude things where, like, I don't see that with the women. Yeah. You know, maybe it's the fact that there's not as much publicity, but I just can't see it happening with with the way that they work so hard to get the position that they're in. So why would you want to give that away by doing something yeah. with a silly yeah. antique? you know, over a five-minute video, which, you know, the funny thing makes, but the rest rest of your career is going down the drain. Yeah, Do you find like that's, how how do you kind of see that at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think that you're so right that women at the moment are so, I think because women's sport as a general professional environment, you know, in the public eye, it's still at its infancy. So we are all, like all of the females that are in The eye, the public eye at the moment are some of the first in their sport. So I think it's not lost on us as individuals that we're getting an opportunity that people before us didn't get, um, which is a massive place. And I hope that that continues because every, every, step forward that each sporting code makes in terms of the women's game. Someone's getting more than the person before them. And I think that's like that's a pretty exciting sorry. I think there's an airplane going over me. I don't know if you can hear it.
0: No, I can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah, I think I think there's so much opportunity that that is not lost on the women that are in the limelight at the moment. But I think the and that that creates that really the warm environment because we're not like entrenched in this idea of it's a job it's still we're grateful for the opportunity which is annoying like it is annoying that women are still having to be grateful and we're not just allowed to be athletes but I think that also is probably the positive side of of the the female personality of of the little bit more emotional side that we are so aware of The impact that we can be having and that family sort of vibe that exists around a lot of female sport is a beautiful place. So a supporter that comes and watches an A-League game versus a supporter that goes and watches a W-League game is kind of a different supporter. Same with AFL, AFL, AFLW, like that environment isn't get drunk and hurl abuse at a referee, it's have a good time, have a couple of drinks, but celebrate the game and the sport, and I think that that's kind of a beautiful place as an athlete to see, you know, the the kind of supporters that go to a World Cup for FIFA and you think in other countries football is a no-drinking sport because of the kind of supporters that it creates. And the fact that in Australia we can have 75, 78,000 people in one stadium have drinks but it not be about the drinking, it's about the celebration of a game and that's really cool.
0: That is really cool. I I do really like that act of gratitude that comes with that, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's it's an amazing thing that you said it's because I guess it's in its infancy and people are grateful the game's come out. Well, I feel like it, sh- it should be in many steps for the, the men's game to obviously take that one backward step and be like, like I said, take a bit more gratitude for the yeah. fact that we have such an amazing sport event like this. And like I said, like you go to an EPL game over in England, yeah. you can't drink and you can't do that kind yeah. of stuff. But yeah. you can go to any sport in Australia and you can, you can carry on and have a bit of fun, that kind of stuff. So yeah. But in the same way, I think the people should definitely really appreciate the fact that we have such a great sporting environment yeah. over here that really facilitates a positive outlook on sport and has positive role models out there, especially when it comes to um yeah, both men and, and women's sports. So I'd love to see more people plays like, so a be more appreciative and not give the ref a whole lot of crap and yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. like it's it's important to, to have fun at these yeah.
1: Yeah, but then it's hard to balance fun when it is a full time job, because your fun is also your income for your family, and that's that does put a lot more pressure on the way you play a game, because it isn't mm. a game anymore; it's a job.
0: Yeah, especially when earning over a mil, that's yeah. probably a bit of a yeah. goal. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I wanted to. I read. I was reading some statistics. Women's Rugby World Cup in 2017, there's been a 28% increase in registered players. And a, th- a third of the representatives in the World Rugby Council are now female. So it seems like it's really made a big push in the last couple of years just recently. Like that's a pretty big jump, 28%. It's it's huge, like a quarter of the overall playing population is now female when it comes to rugby. So I just love to see the fact that although we've started making big gains in terms of the professional level. Like it just seems the whole level, everything's moved up a bit. And especially on a board level, I think that's really important, having representatives who can stand on top and start, you know, calling for change in, in the in the women's game.
1: Yeah, I think that, that's an awesome stat. Um, it definitely is driven a lot by the Rugby Sevens superstar girls who obviously won Rio Olympics and then have medalled, in the next one um, and I think like the the superstars of Charlotte Catholics and the Emma Tonegados and and the Alicia Quirks that have come through that game have really driven a an opportunity for, for young girls to see themselves on such a big world stage and then the World Cups obviously have had impact but we're, in terms of the 15s game, but we're a little bit behind in terms of, the media exposure and the funding because it, it is a, a more aggressive game I suppose and it's not necessarily as glamorous because we are all shapes and sizes which should be celebrated and I think has its own genuine angle to draw um, engagement because everyone can see themselves in someone in the team but the athleticism and the the skillful exec- execution that those seven skills have has been a massive driver for growth in our game, um, because they're on a the world stage and they're shiny.
0: <laughs> and it takes it takes seven minutes and a half.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's easy to watch. You don't need to fully dive into an eighty minute game to to see the excitement of tries end to end rugby, good tackles, good turnovers, great skills of passing and catching.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to love about it. I do, I do agree that I think the inclusivity of the 15s game, it's it's so needed because yeah, it doesn't matter what body shape you are, we'll find we'll find you a position on that field. Yeah, exactly. No matter what you are, exactly. like I've always been the skinny guy, and so I was always <laughs> like winger, fullback. Yeah. Like I think they tried me at outside center once, and I got absolutely rocked and probably dislocated shoulder. I was like, never <laughs> again.
1: <laughs> yeah. So,
0: so yeah, awesome. So, what do you see coming out of at the moment, we're speaking a lot about the new funding, which is going to go to women's sport, particularly with the materials and everything. So, where, where would you like to see the funding go generally? But obviously, I'd like to see, you know, where should the funding go specifically for, for rugby union for, for women?
1: Yeah, it's such a hard question if you're asking a Wallaroo or you're asking someone that wants to see the game grow. Because <laughs> ultimately, like the grassroots is where we're going to get depth. And at the moment, the biggest issue, I think, in the Wallaroos environment or the, the top end is that we don't have the depth of players because we don't, we still don't have the number of people playing the game from a young age. So the infrastructure into the competitions and the opportunities for a junior girl to decide to play from, you know, whether it be five or 12, like we need primary school opportunities, we need high school opportunities that allow girls to continue playing even when they move into the single gendered Rugby. So when I think it's when they get to eleven, you have to start just playing with the girls and not girls and boys, which obviously makes it harder because you're, you know, even if it's thirty percent of your team is is a girl, thirty percent is a hard number to then make a full team. So I think that that's a big part of how we as a whole game grow in the women's side, but that doesn't fix our problems that we have at the top end, which help create the picture. To the young girls that say, I want to play. So I think there needs to be a balance between those, the grassroots level of um, investment, and then also in helping to make there be an end goal for a young girl that chooses to play. You know, you want to see full time athletes, you want to see girls winning. We want to see our Wallaroos play at 2029 at a home world cup successful to help show exactly what the Matildas did that we are a good team and you can come and support us be successful at home so I think in the next six six, six years sorry we need to see huge investment in the women's game we've got two world cups we've got a 2025 and a 2029 world cup coming up and the success of the women's game kind of sits on our shoulders as Wallaroos at the moment because if we're not winning, it's so easy for everyone else to make excuses as to why we're not being supported. So, you know, definitely money in the women's game at the top end. We need a better Super W pathway so our competition needs to grow there so that we attract more girls to stay in the game and compete more with the rugby league environment, which is obviously one of our biggest threats to um, senior players at the moment in the women's because if you look at the NRLW, it's a similar situation to as you were saying when you were interning. Most of those girls don't grow, don't go to NRLW and say, "Oh yeah, I've played rugby league my whole life." They've come from other sports, and a lot of the good ones have come from rugby union. and And retention is a hard part, but money is talking, and the way that NRL is treating their women, even though they're having their own problems at the moment in terms of their contracts and, and player agreements. It's still a sport that is celebrating their women on social media so they, they are actually portrayed well. They have good sponsorship relationships and the players get a good base contract which allows them to be able to manage and justify their their work and football. Um, relationship I suppose (laughs) whereas in the women's game for us at Rugby Union it's it's still a harder line it's still not enough money to justify at any level the amount of work that you're putting into both
0: yeah Uh, yeah it makes a lot of sense really Um, because it is really hard it's it's not an easy job delegating between do we want people do we put heaps of money in like the AFL Auskick do yeah. And they just invest so much money into getting giving kids a ball at the age of like four or five. Like the second yeah. day's primary school or, yeah. or even maybe in preschool, they go, here's a ball, it's uh this shape, we don't want any of other ones. But yeah, yeah <laughs> um, exactly. but they in- immediately start them from an early, early age. And so I guess the challenge is like you said, there's a point where People get to the point where they're leaving high school and they're like, okay, job's coming up. Oh, I'm actually quite good at sport. Oh, rugby league's paying me, paying me yeah. a bit of money. Like, why don't I yeah. join them, play a bit of sport, have a bit of fun, yeah. and also earn a living. So it's it is really, it's difficult to make those decisions. But yeah, I'd really like to see a slightly different approach because what, what I'd like to see, I'm quite biased because I've grew up going to public schools. Yeah. And I always loved rugby union, but we yeah. never did any okay. rugby union at okay. ever. Yeah. At all. It was all private school stuff. So yeah. I think I played the competition. Like, this is male, so like yeah. the more popular of the two. And we had, when I was under 16s, we had four four teams within a two-hour drive. Yeah. And you play on a Sunday, play league on Saturday, Sunday, union on Sunday. And I was like, there are so many players who would love to come play rugby union, but they're just never promoted in the public schools. Yeah. So everyone's goes straight to rugby league or AFL. So i just love to see if they were to kind of maybe – I don't know if this would be the right solution, but obviously finding a, a bit of a pin to public schools for the women in The
1: interesting thing is I actually think that the women's game of 15s exists more in the public school system than it does in the private. So, Why, why is that, do you think? I think it's because there's less stigma around the game in the public school system for women. So at the moment... Because it is such a private boys' school sport, you throw the same conversation to the parents and say, hey, but your your son plays, you know, rugby union at Ewington. Why isn't your daughter playing rugby union at Abbotsley? And the parent, oh, but, you know, I don't want my daughter to get hurt. Um, But it's okay for my son to get hurt what like so i think there's a there's a weird stigma around it in you in private schools and that is changing because there is there is a sevens pathway but it's hard to get women playing 15s at high school in the private schools whereas in the public schools there is a competition and it may not happen all you know like all year round but there is a like they play 15 aside so a lot of the girls that i play with are girls who have come through a public high school system that said, oh, you can play rugby union. You can also play rugby league, but you can play rugby union. So then when they look for a club, if rugby union is the club that they find or they're the people that they know, they are coming to rugby union. So maybe it's changed in the, the last 10 years, but I do see at the moment that the women's pathway for 15s through high schools is actually through the public system, not the private at the moment.
0: Well, I'm so that's great. It's nice that there's that intention to get like there is some intention somewhere that's getting women to actually start playing early, and there's there is a removing removal of that stigma. Because like I think like I love watching the women's game. I think it's so good. It's it's so physical. (laughs) Like it really is. It's insane. Like I remember when we used to play. Um, we used to travel up to Sydney every now and again to play a tournament for like rugby league in particular. And I remember I was always turning back on the men's game watching the women's game because yeah. they were just like running straight at each other like hitting us up yeah. they a bit like they bounce you up and just like laughing it off and having a lot of fun. And it was just, it was really, really great to watch. So I think there's just so much value and especially with now that the women's game becoming so much more professional, I just think the, the level of skill is going to improve a lot more. And I'd love to see it appreciated more for like the level of skill and talent and hard work that goes into it than the fact that it's like it's all about hurting each other and, like, you know, really masculine, but we should be feminine female. But it's it's not that, that at all. It's, like, there's some serious talent and hard work that goes into being a professional athlete in general, and I think that should be definitely more recognised in terms of the game.
1: Yeah, nice.
0: Yeah. So in terms of, like, you've done throughout your career to become the athlete you are and being, well, I'm going to say role model, but, like, what are some of the, Key things that you, if you saw a young girl at the moment, young female, start picking up rugby for the first time, or even just picking up any kind of ball and playing team sport, like what are some of the key attributes that you you would love to put onto them to push into the game and start thinking I can do this?
1: Yeah, I think um, if you don't try, you'll never succeed is the biggest one because there is a fear in everything that we do that you're supposed to do it well the first time you do it. You know, that's, I think that's a social media um, issue from this generation. But there is this thing of like if you try something and you fail the first time that you are not successful. Um, and I think that that's a, a scary thing to have as the way you live your life. And it's kind of a sad way to live your life because guess what? You're not successful in most things you do, but you're definitely not going to be successful if you'd ever try. It's like the, the answer is always no unless you ask. So to me, whatever you're trying, try it. If you want to do it, have a crack. doesn't matter if you fail, pick it up, start again. You'll, you know, ask for feedback. I'm such a inquisitive person. And I think like, I need to know far too much detail to make it necessary for most people. But I think asking questions is really important. Asking the people around you to support you. A, holds you accountable. To, to something because you've told other people about it but b you have no idea what your network of people around you can do to help you 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 say hey mom and dad i want to pick up a ball and i want to learn how to pass it backwards come to the park with me and throw the ball with me that's 100 more passes than you did yesterday because you didn't ask for, for someone to come and play with you. you say the same thing to your friend i want to learn how to tackle better who can help me someone in your network is going to want to help you because guess what people want to see everyone succeed <laughs> and anyone that doesn't want to see you succeed is just scared you're going to be better than them
0: <laughs> i love that that's so good <laughs> and like oh,
1: yeah. i've got no time for people like that and if that if your friends start start being like that just prove them wrong
0: yeah no, that's great. Well, yeah, and then just find out who the people are that really want to see you do well. Yeah. Um, because there, there are so many networks out there for people who want to see you do well. I definitely see it, yeah, in many of the ones I've joined. To, even at Sydney Uni in terms of what we're doing, I found so many people are so positive to, like, yeah. continue to push hard and work harder and doing yeah. more. And I just I just love that environment.
1: Yeah, and I think really, like, the coolest thing about, I'll use Sydney Uni as the, the example, the same as, Like you can turn up to as many training sessions as you like and everyone will be there working hard together. And the best thing is you can turn up and say, hey, Jordan, like I want to get better at squatting. And I guarantee that someone in that Sydney uni environment is going to turn around and go, cool, come early, let's work on your technique, let's go back to those details, let's fix this. I went up to the head coach last year at Sydney uni of the men first grade head coach. He had no reason to help me. And I said, hey, Sean Hedger, can you help me get better at jackaling? Because at the moment, I don't think I'm being picked in the Wallaroos team where I need to be because they say I'm not good enough over the ball. He helped me twice a week for the whole season. The whole season, he found half an hour, twice a week to drill stuff with me and you know that then means that i'm talking to another friend pulling another girl in or helping one of the boys because it it worked in the system but out of his own time he found time to help me and then i ended up getting the position i wanted to play and like you know i could turn around to to an australian coach and say you didn't believe in me but someone else did and you know i got there because i wanted to do it and I, i worked harder than everyone else but it was also because I asked for help and the person said yes.
0: Well, it comes back to what you said before about that curious nature. Like mm-hmm. you just could ask the question and and someone will yeah. come up with the answer and want to help. Because I agree, I find more people want to help than not help. Mm-hmm. Like there are People and, everywhere. and it's amazing to see that, um, you know, someone who is running the first grade men's squad, which is a very busy job, must say, Yeah. has found the time to help someone who's not even in the same team, but just has a bit of enthusiasm, a bit of passion, yeah. ask the right questions, and then, you know, just kind of work with that and then continue yeah. the momentum from there. I think that's yeah. incredible. Do you have many other people in your life? Well, I was going to ask because, yeah, do you have anyone else in your life that helps you in that way? Because... I feel like it's not just usually one area of life, but there's usually pockets of people everywhere who are like, I'll put my hand up to help you, yeah. Z."
1: Yeah, I feel like I have a massive village of people behind me that support me in every aspect of my life. Like I have mentors in business. I have mentors who are just good people who I've talked to over the years that I know I call out like my mum and dad. I have friends that I have real conversations with. I have you know, two, three, four different coaches who I know I could call upon from rugby perspective, and say, "Hey, can you help me out?" Like at the moment, there's a group, a small group of girls in my Wallaroo's team who, off the off our own backs, have gone up to a couple of connected coaches who aren't involved in Wallaroo's, aren't in, actually actually aren't involved in women's rugby, full stop, uh, and they're. Giving up their time an hour a week to do a contact session or a speed session, you know, like there are there are people who want to help, and I feel like, you know, you you create relationships and you show you're willing to do it, and you know there are so many people that are willing to help you be there and support you, whether it is in life or in rugby or whatever it is you ask for help, and people people come. Vulnerable, love- being vulnerable love- is is. Is massive, and it does take, and it does hurt an ego sometimes to say I'm not good at something, or I need advice, and I don't know what to do. And people will people want to help. People want to feel valued as well. So if you can drop your own ego to say I need help, then it usually does come.
0: Yeah, oh, that's great, and I I can definitely see in yourself giving it back in return. Oh, yeah. So even in parts now, but obviously, I think you know, look. 10, 20 years down the track, when you're doing something new or completely different, I can still is feeding yourself paint it forward and yeah. just thinking about the previous people who've done it for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, just as a as a reflection, like how good of an ego stroke is it if someone comes up to you and says, hey, can you help me with this because I know you're going to be really good at it? Like what makes you say no unless it's time? Time or money are the, probably the only two things that you say no for. But if someone came up to me and said, Hey, Em, when it happened this year at um, Harlequin, someone came up and said, Hey, Em, I just, I can't, I can't pass properly at the moment. Like I get it under, put under pressure and I, I stuff up, but I know I can do it. What well, can you help me? I mean, me, you want me to help you? Of course I'll help you. Like you think I'm better at that than you? I'll happily help you. Like suddenly we're doing, you know, a little 10 minute passing walk, before every session, I'm I'm getting better. I'm having to explain it. I'm having to talk through the detail. I'm getting an extra 10 minutes of passing skill in and I'm helping someone else. It makes me feel good. It makes them feel good. Like it's a win-win situation. So don't ever be afraid of asking for help because guess what? You're actually stroking someone else's ego and making them feel good as well. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. That's great. Um, well, that's yeah, I can't, I couldn't agree more. I think it's so good. Well, there's one final question to ask everyone at the end of the podcast. And that is, or something that stuck out for you personally growing up, like whether it's in your family or it's something you've just learned along the way that that you would love to pass on to future generation?
1: Hmm. I think I kind of gave it to you just before. It would be that like the answer is always no if you'd never asked the question. Um, and it's the same thing with if you don't try, you'll never succeed. So sometimes the scariest thing to do is to try and to put yourself out there, but that can also lead to being the most rewarding. So, whatever it is you want to do in your life, do it and do it to the best of your ability. Doesn't mean you're always going to be the best, but at least you know you've tried.
0: Amazing. Ask the question, be curious. Yes, Perfect. absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, very well said, very well said. Um, well. I've, I've, this has been incredible have, like even if i don't know if you can watch the camera but i haven't wiped the smile from face the whole time i just like so involved in this whole conversation um but please like plug social media for people to reach out to you or anything that you've got out there how can people find you emily
1: uh yeah. mainly my social media is um instagram based uh underscore chance is my profile i am Uh, just about to start my own podcast as well so look out for the Life of Chance podcast uh, coming to good platforms (laughs) soon. Um, it's, It's actually been such a fun process to be a part of. I'm not by any means a podcaster. I just think that I've got a little bit of time on my hands at the moment and I love learning as I've just already explained and so the idea of learning a new skill and And developing um, the ability to ask good questions and hold good conversations, I think, is invaluable in the media world and in life. And I think I've got some pretty cool people that exist in my life, so I'm um, using it as a platform to... Uh, ask about when people have taken a chance on you or when you've taken a chance on something and it's paid off so look out for the life of chance podcast as well and now you can have two podcasts to listen to every week
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect i love that pun just take a chance <laughs>
1: yeah, take a chance so it's chance. Chance pretty good <laughs>
0: well i'll be i'll be absolutely throwing that everywhere as soon as it comes out because i know it's going to be amazing so well, i'm very excited for that actually that's gonna be so cool well thank you so much for coming on today i think it's very inspiring to have someone like you out there and doing really cool things and living it and even humbling yourself you know even you've been player of the year before but you still go out there and ask questions and think oh, i've still got a lot more to learn like okay. you can learn so much from that kind of attitude so thanks again emily appreciate it
1: thanks so much geordie i appreciate you getting me on here
0: that episode was bloody brilliant I really enjoy talking to Emily. As you can tell, she's very passionate and enthusiastic about what she does. And that actually goes for every single part of her life that I've ever known anyway. She's always been someone that will be there for others. shows a lot of loyalty. But most of all, just wants wants you to achieve your goals. And you can tell that from the way she speaks. But a few of the things that I learned most out of that is definitely just the way she tended to reframe everything she said when it came to setbacks or complications which may come along the way or things that she didn't know she was always very positive about it and how she could find the answer just by asking a few questions so I do I definitely do recognize that in a lot of people who are high performers or people who are doing a lot in their in their chosen sport or career is that they're constantly seeing challenges as a positive thing and reframing it in a way that makes something more achievable or that just shows that it's all part of the journey I really appreciate Emily coming on. It was really, really great, and I felt very inspired afterwards. So make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. That way you're going to see more exciting guests coming up because some really, really good ones lined up, and I'm really looking forward to chatting to them about how, how they've gone from someone who doesn't know too much about the sport they're doing to actually achieving an Olympic medal and also others who are in a different field that actually will probably relate to what you're doing in many, many different ways. So make sure you subscribe and therefore you can stay up to date with all the latest episodes. Until next time.